Creative Spaces. I'm Molly Cooper and this is the London Edition. In our first ever mini-season, we'll be featuring the best spaces to stay, work and play around the city, from timeless icons to under-the-radar finds. And this one is sitting down with the teams who brought it to life, I'll be bringing you the inside scoop from some pretty amazing people getting up to some pretty great things within travel, design and hospitality. I'm so excited to share all their stories with you, so let's get into it, shall we? I know and it's one of those worlds I think so many people are curious about but maybe have never quite seen behind the curtain so I'm very excited to go there with you today. Um, Before we do talk about members clubs I'd love to start with you and hear a bit about your background and your life story how you've ended up sitting here in this room with me today. Oh uh, kind of you to ask Molly I'm sure you have a more interesting story. (laughs) I just happened to grow up in hospitality in a little hotel in southern Italy Uh, in the 70s, 80s, and then I was shipped to England in the mid-80s, where I became accustomed with members clubs. Mm. They didn't exist back in Sicily or in the islands where I grew up as much. And um, before I knew it, by the age of 18, I set up my first club or society um, in Oxford, uh, which then evolved into a lifestyle um, membership platform yeah. that uh, with a few friends we set up in our early 20s called Quintessentially and that evolved into me growing and becoming more passionate about physical members clubs and then I started setting up some clubs uh, mm-hmm. for others and then for myself but uh, I was quite keen to create a network that would have a global reach mm. and that's where the old idea spiraled and um, here we are today with a system that actually we have about 80 locations mm. but, um, but about 250 members clubs wow. and creative workspaces and loads of fascinating very inspiring experiences or activities that go on in these clubs mm-hmm. that they share with our community and the community has been growing at an incredible rate this year. Yeah. And uh, we're delighted with what lays ahead of us, uh, seeing that so many clubs, or new clubs, are emerging and being opened, and they want to attract the right people. Mm. And I think what we're offering today is a very valuable proposition. It's funny because you, when you said you launched pre-COVID, I assumed this was a COVID baby, people completely changing how they work, how they live, craving this flexibility, this freedom, this ability to work wherever they want around the globe. And I just assumed that it must have been a COVID brainchild. But no, you you were ahead of the curve. You were... (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you say that. I remember visiting one of our uh, partners, one of our advisors in Los Angeles back in 2019, spring 2019, and Mm. we had this meeting. 
she says to me, look, I join on there because I love it. I think it's such a mm-hmm. great concept. However, I do think you're a little bit too early. And people are not ready for it. Slow down. You're pushing too much. And I remember walking away from this meeting so disappointed. Then COVID hits and we had to suspend our services and we're case to trialing a a system which was a very basic system. And who would have uh, thought that post-COVID the desire that people have to interact or connect with Mm -hmm. their peers or... Uh, in places they feel comfortable um, is even greater than ever. Yeah. And so it's, as you've rightly have picked up, it is very much post-COVID. It's uh, people seem to want <laughs> access to uh, these places, might it be for work, might it be for play, to work out, people living more nomadically. Mm-hmm. Again, the idea of landing in a city or traveling around the world and having opportunity of visiting these places that can serve as a home away from home is quite valuable yeah and I think it's so interesting how it sits in this like bigger history and evolution of members clubs I mean we were just talking back in the day they were communities for like-minded people who liked music and writing and then they sort of got hijacked a bit it feels like and they became the boys clubs they got a bit of a you know a bit of a bad press and then there's this like fresh new energy, it feels like, and these new clubs popping up and giving people that community they really crave and they don't get from their jobs anymore because everyone works from home or whatever it is. How have you sort of seen that evolve and what are your thoughts on this sort of bigger piece? It's actually quite fascinating uh, because, as you rightly say, probably 300 years ago, where members' clubs uh, in London in particular were emerging uh, for every different tastes, mm. might be as you said, literature, music, or hunting, or whatever it was that people had interest in, people would congregate in these yeah. spaces where they could share their uh, common interest or their passion. And then, yeah, sadly, in the 20th century, I think, with capitalism and consumerism, those uh, criterias or those ideals were kind of lost a bit. Mm. But I'm very pleased to see how many new clubs are emerging yeah. that, in terms of fundamentals, are going back to that tradition. Mm-hmm. So now there's a wonderful club that we're working with now that is focused on music. There's another club we just met with focused on wines. Yeah. Um, so there's there are clubs now that have got more that purpose or that mm-hmm. sense of attracting people that have uh, something they want to share. Yeah, uh, within their premises, and uh, we're, we're very excited to be working with them. And you have such an incredible lineup or portfolio of clubs on Onda. Um, some really big hitting names there, and I think the concept itself for people who maybe don't know Onda, you sign up, you get this sort of all access pass, you can go to loads of these incredible clubs around the world, different cities. But you also get this um, community that you're building and you kind of spoke about these amazing experiences. And it feels like you're very cleverly bringing all the in-person benefits, such as seeing people doing actual things with the flexibility of a digital global. You can nip around and tap into people and places as you need to. How what came first? Was it let's give people access to physical spaces or did you always have this sort of joint physical digital hybrid in mind? Um. Thank you, Molly. Good uh, question. Actually, it was very much, the principle was bringing people together Mm -hmm. 
in places they feel comfortable. Yeah. And for me, what's better than being able to travel to an unknown, unknown city mm-hmm. and being able to frequent a private club that uh, very much gives you that sense of a home away from home. Yeah. I remember as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old moving to London, living in a tiny little studio in a basement that I can't remember even where, uh, but the joy after work to be able to go to that uh, members club in the West End uh, where I could sit and enjoy these very comfortable uh, premises and just connect with interesting people mm. and have conversations and great music, great atmosphere. That gave me such joy. Um, and so... Since then, we've uh, really focused on attracting the right people for those places. Mm-hmm. There's n- n- not all members clubs are suitable mm. to a type of member. Yeah. And so um, we have more creative clubs, more luxurious clubs, uh, clubs which are just useful for working, uh, yeah. co-working spaces, uh, health clubs. What we've managed to, um, I think, uh, do, unlike anyone else, is avoid that barrier of entry, um, allowing people in a more egalitarian way to discover these places, and mm-hmm. should they wish, they can then join these clubs, um, but at least get a taste of them. Yeah, definitely. And that barrier of entry, I think that's such a, an important thing that, so many people, they, they, like I said, they're intrigued by members clubs. They want to know what happens behind that discreet little door, but they can't get their foot inside. They can't quite see it. Whereas what Onda does is it gives you access to these amazing spaces and you can go and see which resonates, which one you feel really at ease in or where you really find your people. Um, I think that's incredibly clever. And did you really expect it to be used the way it has? I guess this was pre-COVID. Now you must have people who actually use it as a sort of, they're traveling more, maybe they're digital nomads. So actually they use it more as a, a sort of, somewhere to work they know they'll have wi-fi and the rest of it or has it remained quite a social thing people looking for connection or a combo i would say both uh the social and work element is equally Mm. uh, needed and uh, utilized um so at the moment we probably have about five six hundred visits a month into clubs uh, plus several events maybe mm-hmm. a few dozen events each month and um the the visits are equal between social and co-working mm-hmm. yeah it goes hand in hand i mean we're sitting here this lovely premises mm-hmm. one warwick street and this is very much my sort of place that i enjoy mm-hmm. uh, because from morning to night basically has facilities that yeah um, meet my needs they have a health club or a gym they have lovely restaurants they have lovely bars work areas social areas and so they see more and more of these clubs um, popping up and uh, i think it kind of meets the needs of Mm -hmm. a lot of people yeah we're attracting definitely and actually i was speaking to somebody about how work itself is changing and people are doing less manual stuff that's being automated it's being got rid of and people are actually being more creative more entrepreneurial and actually the office as you think about it isn't actually designed in many ways to be creative to be entrepreneurial to tap into that that side of your brain 
Whereas members clubs, they give you these the freedom of like these beautiful spaces, like you said, the lounges here are full of fringe sofas and marble bars. And actually, if you did need to come and think and work something through, this is a much better backdrop for that rather than your, you know, when you think office, you think the cubby holes where actually that's not built for the world of work today, is it? It's, it's such a good point, Molly. Uh, sure, you want to be inspired and have that creativity. Um, you want stimulus for it. Exactly. And to go to a, a sterile, a traditional office mm. with strong neon lights, and it's, sometimes we have to, yeah. but if you can choose these places where you have the privilege uh, to do so, then why not? Mm-hmm. And uh, we have quite an accessible product, I would say. Our, our membership uh, starts the private tiers at $96. That's £80 a month, mm-hmm. £78 a month. It's not very much, no. I would say, or £780 a year. And that gives you access to a few hundred places and yeah. events around the world. So I think it's uh, good value as well. 100%. I mean, we work desk started at, what, three, 400 quid a month? So, well, yeah. see where we work is today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look what happened to WeWork. <laughs> They also didn't have as lovely a rooftop bar as here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear, looking ahead then, what do you think is next for members clubs? Are there any cycles or trends or, I don't know, macro things you think we can expect to see? Very interesting uh, to hear uh, because I I can see how many clubs uh, are emerging in the market and... Obviously, to be, stay in business, they need to attract a critical mass of members. Mm-hmm. And I often, when I find myself in conversation with the owners or the, the managers, I say, yes, you can invest as much as you like into the design and the style mm-hmm. of the place, but what truly creates a club are the people. Yeah. And so, but I have to say, the club owners are very conscious about the type of people they like to attract. Mm-hmm. And often I hear the question, can you help us attract the right people? Mm. They love the fact that we interview or we vet people or we meet uh, our potential members. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain clubs which are more suitable to some members and other clubs which are not that suitable for the, that set of people. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you were to have the opportunity of visiting uh places all over the world that mm-hmm. have a certain style or offer you certain comfort on the principle of offering your home away from home yeah. where you can engage with the local community that's very valuable for mm-hmm. me uh, I might rent an Airbnb apartment yeah. uh, when I go to Mexico City but then it's a big city mm-hmm. uh, okay I can go and enjoy some bars and some restaurants etc well, we don't want to find ourselves in the back streets of Mexico City and up in the wrong bar. But the idea of going to a members club mm. um, to know that the community of members, of individuals, have been selected and approved by mm. their very own committee yeah. or membership process. You know that you're going to meet people, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, that might be like-minded. Mm. Uh, or as I often hear saying, uh, the desire to connect with your tribe. Mm. 
yeah. is fulfilled more. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? Because humans are such tribal creatures and no matter where you are in the world, you always try to find your people, don't you? Very much so. Yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure chatting. I do always wrap these up with a quick fire round. So yours are all members club themed. Um, should we give it a whirl? What is your favourite members club of all time? Today, House of Coco. Yes. I love House of Coco. Mm-hmm. That's a great shout. And what are the three things that really make a members club for you? Offering that homely feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, not pretentious, not um, personalised. Where you feel you're stepping into a home. Mm-hmm. Hello, Molly. Yes. Good to have you back. Yes. Welcome back home. Yes. And that's exactly what I happened when I moved back to London last year. It was so nice. I walked into another club and to the Metro D, the club manager said, welcome back home. Oh. And I thought it was so nice. That was yeah. a five half a street. Oh. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Places that remain special in your heart. Yeah, they're very good there. And if you were going to open your own members club today, where in the world would you open it? Sicily. Oh, yes. Dolce Vita. Absolutely. <laughs> Laid back in nature. I developed a club in Tuscany a few years ago and I just uh, realised how much being out in nature, uh, we offer that escapism mm. and also the activities that you can um, programme for so much more enriching for the members to mm-hmm. create that club life yeah. uh, for the community. Uh, it, it's not only inside the, uh, within the premises, but it goes mm-hmm. well be- yeah. Outdoors. Get the outside in. Absolutely. And what is one big difference between American clubs and English clubs? Good question. I'd say as rich as they might be in London, they're probably a bit more relaxed uh-huh. once you step into the door. Um, they're more accessible, I would say. Mm-hmm. In America, I find, I find well, the membership fees uh, per se say it all i mean they're considerably higher than really? in the uk or in europe some clubs even six figures so serious, serious so i think yeah. that already creates a big differentiation mm-hmm. yeah definitely and what is one members club that everyone should see in their lifetime aha good question um well actually i have a lot of admiration for Saw houses or mm. the original saw house in Greek Street, how from that project uh, that Nick Jones had the vision to mm. set up a bubble restaurant yeah. to, in a space that not many operators would have taken. He had the courage to take and then roll out to the yeah. group that's become today with mm-hmm. what, 40 clubs around yeah. the world, uh, all from a very kind of homely, comfortable place. Uh, and what I think you can enjoy from the saw houses is when you travel, might it be across America or Europe or Asia, you know what you get. Mm. You know you get that British kind of style. Uh, then though, some other people want to discover the local culture mm-hmm. and they will want something which is more um, local. Mm-hmm. And so... The Britishness maybe in India or in Middle East doesn't necessarily work for some. So I think it's uh, 
there's enough out there for all tastes. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. So it has an incredible story, isn't it? It feels like it needs its own podcast. Um, but Luca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, what a pleasure. Thank you. Well, talk about So House. I heard yesterday that Nick Jones is mm. setting up the Jones Hotel. Oh. Ooh. In the very hotel where I used to work as a porter no. as a 22-year-old. Stop. On the Strand. <gasps> I used to go and work there in my tails. Oh, my gosh. Early 90s. Fun. <laughs> and now that's been turned into a lovely hotel. They really go full I circle, mean, don't they? <laughs> like, uh, well done, um, yeah, Nick and what's happening in the industry. Yeah, it's amazing. A best of British stories. We love it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Molly. No, thank you. Grazie mille Luca for sharing the story behind the brilliant Onda. Such a genius idea and I would 100% recommend checking it out if members clubs and other cool spaces are your cup of tea. And thank you for tuning into this episode. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, please make my day and leave a little review or hit that subscribe button. There are so many things I would love to do with Creator Spaces this year and that just helps make all of it possible. You can also head to our website for loads more content and also some inspiration for your next trip away. So go get planning your next vacation and I'll see you next time for more of the London edition.